This week on the Empire Podcast, we turn our air guitars all the way up to 11. With Rock of Ages, we take a limo ride with R-Pats in D. Crone's Cosmopolis. We try to guess a twist ending of red lights, and we get to grips with Fast Girls. Also popular in for chance are two Sunshine Boys and a whole bunch of Muppets. Speaking of Muppets, welcome to the latest installment of the Empire Podcast, a movie podcast that has Sweden in the Euro 2012 office sweepstakes. Sweden! For the love of God. Anyway, enough of that. I'm Chris Hewitt, and it's time to welcome three highly rated Empire writers to the pod booth, any one of whom could be the man of the match, or woman of the match. Before we start, as ever, with a stalwart of the podcast, Ireland's Helen O'Hara, leader of the political wing of the Empire podcast. How are you? And this is not a rebel podcast, Chris. This is not a rebel podcast, indeed. No. I, I have to apologise. Last week I compared you to Ian Paisley. You did. Well, your politics are kind of more to the right of David Trimble, <gasps> I would say. That is outrageous. I know. Shocking. Shocking. And Wrong. And very wrong. Next up is a man whose love of obscure European art house cinema runs so deep he categorizes his DVD collection according to the number of consonants in the director's names. It's Romania's <laughs> Phil Dissemblian. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Chris. You are Romanian, aren't you? Uh, there's, um, a little bit, there's a little bit of Romanian in you somewhere. Transylvanian. Transylvanian? Are you I actually so. from the, the Dracula region? Uh, yeah, kind of. Originally. What? I think it used to be in Hungary. <laughs> Now it's in Romania, but that's way too much information. No, that's good. But yeah, no, there's a little that's bit good. of... It's an unusual sort of vampire, I think, running in my blood. <laughs> well, thanks for getting up so early to do this. Uh, and last but not least is a man so resoundingly anti-football, he's not even aware there's a major tournament going on. It's a big hello, Len, not to Stuart Downing, as you might expect, but to James Dyer. Hello, I genuinely James. genuinely don't even understand that reference. Stuart Downing is a... Well, he he gets paid to play football. Right. Whether or not and he's does he a play for the player, Reds or the Blues? He plays for the Reds of right. Liverpool. Right. Yes. Yeah, so of course, you're you're a you're an Everton fan, yes, aren't you? James? Yes, I am. Yes. Everton, come on, you Blues. They're <laughs> they're the best of, of the footballs. That's all, James's football knowledge, right there, folks. And now, before John Terry bursts in here and hogs all the glory for himself, shall we crack on? Let's yeah, crack right. on. Yeah. Okay. It's time to open ourselves up, much like the French defence, and that's the last football reference, I promise you, to you lot. Uh, via Twitter, at Andrew Heimers asks, "What's the most overplayed song in movies? Mr. Blue Sky, maybe? Hmm. Interesting." I've been racking my brains about this, and I'm really struggling. Specifically movies? <laughs> Specifically I mean, movies. If we're yeah, talking yeah. trailers, then it's probably James Horner's Alien Score, or possibly Clint Mantell's... Uh, At the uh, moment. Like from for a Dream, yeah. 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 Or, um, uh, which, was, which was on Sky Sports. You remember Soccer Saturday? That was the theme to Soccer Saturday. Oh, well. Well, hang on. How do you know what the theme to <laughs> Soccer I'd like to throw Saturday this is. stuff out there just to blow your mind. That's amazing. You stumbled across it, presumably? Yes, looking for, well, looking for the all-day <laughs> Star Trek marathon. Yeah. <laughs> um, how about also, I'd like to suggest Back in Black, which is used an awful lot to, you know, emphasise that someone has suddenly decided to be cool. Yes. And Usually in a kid's movie. And they're back. And they're back. Yeah, yeah. sometimes in black. Well, you know, it's optional, but preferred. That's Temper Trap song Sweet Disposition that seems to be in everything at the moment 500 Days of Summer I think was the first time Right now it seems to be kind of ubiquitous yes but you're right Jay-Z Kanye West uh-huh. I think it's called No Church, no Church in, the in the Wild, Wild. Yeah. that again at the moment seems yeah, to be it's in the, having the its moment Great Gatsby Fanway. trailer Great Gatsby trailer yeah. I think it was in Safe House can you think well. of any right. classic films though that have, that, have, that have doubled up that have maybe well they had Kanye West and Jay-Z cla- well not classic no no no. I'm saying that we're, we're talking films that predate Kanye West and, and waste who's Kanye West Kanye, Kanye West, West. And, and Jay-Z Jason said yeah. Yellow's Oh Yeah it's rather <laughs> yes. desperately overused I've literally no idea what's going on anymore but um, I'm going to throw out Jackie Wilson's Higher and Higher 
Okay. Randomly just saw it. It, it. There were a few films on Sky. There was Operation Dumbo Drop, which, again, just happened to be on. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it was playing in that. It's also in The Bachelor. But then, lest we forget, it was the song that made the Statue of Liberty too. walk the streets in Ghostbusters That's 2. That's right. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. It's yes. astonishing. I really liked it in that. Yeah. I, I actually like Ghostbusters 2. I'm that person. It's, it's Nick, isn't it, who thinks Ghostbusters 2 is better than Ghostbusters? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, yeah. He, yeah. He's, he's insane. He's a lunatic. He also thinks that Naked Gun 2 and a half is better than a naked gun. Uh, yeah. He is quite frankly. And I know Wait, I know, he's your, I know he's your brother. He's Phil. not my brother. I know, you know he's your brother. <laughs> he just happens to be someone from the same region of Romania who just happens to have the same surname. Exactly. But he's an idiot. It's coincidence. <laughs> well, it's a shame though because we actually later in the podcast we do have someone who was a star of Naked Gun Two and a Half, and uh, Nick wasn't here to interview him, so we could have actually put it to this this person and definitively got, had an answer. Is Naked Gun Two and a Half better than the original? See, I saw Naked Gun Two and a Half first, so there was yeah. a time when I thought that, but then I saw Naked Gun. <laughs> You know, um, so yeah. Yep. And once you've seen both, I think it's a bit harder to uh, to argue. It is a little bit harder to argue, but not uh, that Naked Gun Two is bad. Yeah. No, funny. no, no. It's it's very very funny, but um, interesting, interesting. And I got beaten up after screening of Naked Gun Two. I can't imagine cinema. why anyone want to beat you. Up. <laughs> what, Quite seriously, what happened? what happened? I was watching it at uh, in Harrow, the local flea pit, and um, <laughs> the guy, who, a very annoying friend of mine, uh, was throwing Smarties around the cinema, and, off, and he hit some large bruiser type chap called Len, who was uh, five rows in front of us, and he waited for us to film, and he punched me in the head. Why did he so, punch you in the head? You weren't the one throwing Smarties around. Yes, it's a whole long story. Suffice <laughs> to say, my friend <laughs> ran away. I was a little bit slow, and as the Weak member of the herd, I was picked off and beaten to the ground. But James, James, you're you're like a martial arts dude. You mean you, you actually like practice this 15 stuff? Fifteen or something? Is this what made you do it? Y- like yes, the naked gun arts? two and a half made me become a ninja. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Since that day, you've never once gone out without. I a do. Sword. I stalk cinemas now after films, waiting for people. Uh, and, and wreaking and vengeance. What on them. happened to Len? Well, I could talk to you about it, but then the police would, you know, <laughs> <laughs> wish to question me. Um, yeah. No, to Amazing be fair, he did. His, what the funny part of this was, the girl, his girlfriend actually made him then come up and apologise to me at the bus stop about twenty minutes later. Which, and he seemed really, like, oh god, I'm really sorry. And she was like slapping him around the head. It was really which point you hit him around the face with a with a pack of Rolos. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Take this. It's my last Rolo. Take it. <laughs> that must be the quickest link from Ghostbusters to James's. Sociopathic past it's ever first, had. It's the first one we've ever done, I think. But yeah, it's, I'm it's, not sure it is. To be uh, honest, sorry, at Andrew Hymers, I don't think we've answered your question, <laughs> but we have given you an incredible Nega Gun two and a half cinema going anecdote. So there you go. At Piccolo one three five, who's gone on holiday, presumably in search of the soul they so clearly lack after the revelation they didn't cry at Pixar's Up, asks, "What's your ideal movie holiday destination?" LV426. <laughs> wow. Not, I guess it, you'd get it, to work out on your martial arts skills. Yes, yes you would. You'd wrestling get, aliens. Yeah. I, I'm not saying that's an ideal holiday no. destination. No. no. If I were to get my nerd on for a second, oh, gosh, I would say that go. it would be the Nexus from Star Trek Generations. <sighs> Why? Because it's like, you know, it becomes the place you most want to be. It's like magical. Okay. Look, um, Malcolm McDowell killed people to get there, so it's got to be worthwhile. All right, I guess something good happened well, from Star Trek Generations. Last um, I'd say Bora Bora from Couples Retreat, as long as none That's of the cast... That's just rubbish. As long as none you of the cast were there. You can't pick a the real CG place. Sharks. What? Oh, really? Why not? Because I it's just, just it's say a, anywhere it's a, in the it's question. A self-imposed you can't rule. Pick. It's a self-imposed... Because it's just, just boring. 
the, the world Fine. is filled with science fiction films that have these incredible fisters. What about Flost and Paradise from The Fifth Element? Yeah. Flost and Paradise! Don't you want to see sea beams glitter in the dark off the Tannhauser Gate? No, I just want to lie by some... <laughs> you just want to, you know... Lie in the, in, the, in the Pacific. So, basically, what you want is your just basic last-minute holiday. I really want a holiday, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to deal with, like... Is anyone from Expedia listening? Can we get Phil a holiday? He needs <laughs> one. Give me a holiday. Yes. Helen? Um, I'd quite like to go to Pandora... Assuming, you know, I could breathe the atmosphere and stuff. Well, you could. The planet like, where everything wants to kill you. Yeah. Right. But, you know... And you thought my choice to, was no, silly. No, 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 but they wouldn't want to kill me because I wouldn't be mining the unobtainium. And you'd presumably be going there with <laughs> Dr. Ian Paisley, so... It's all a reaction, isn't it, by AWA to the mining. As long as I wasn't mining, <laughs> it'd be okay. I'd, I'd love to see the Reverend Dr. Ian Paisley on, on Pandora. <laughs> Pandora says no to unobtainium! Right. <laughs> anyway... Uh, oh, mine is uh, oh god, I don't. I was going to probably Flost in Paradise. Uh, although we never really do we see it in Fifth Element. Do we actually get to see it? Well, no, because it's just it's just basically a big sort of it's ocean big, with beaches. That's pretty good. Or oh, what about the um, the place that Jodie Foster ends up? Yeah, uh, in contact. Um, contact. That's uh, quite is, nice. It's a lovely with beach David Morse. Also, actually, but you surely. wouldn't have to take time off to go to that one because you could go there you for nineteen hours and, yes. it, and get back immediately. And then no one would believe you ever went. Well, that's true, but you'd know. But I'd have sta- snaps on Instagram. You could be able to see it, yeah, which would really show them. Yeah, and take yeah. that, take that, James Woods. Uh, what about Tatooine? Would anyone want to go to Tatooine or any Star Wars destinations? Hoth, maybe for a bit of a um, skiing holiday, or yeah, um, to be able, like Naboo is prettier than Tatooine, but there might be oh, Jar Jar's there. So there is, there is that, that. So that's a bit of a risk. Um, Endor seems nice. Endor would be lovely. Actually, <laughs> yes, you could go on an Ewok hunting holiday. Well, oh, I think that's they'd end so up wrong. hunting you. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to Muir Woods, it was a bit like Endor, so I'd go for that. That would be cool. Uh, last week, Helen and I started off a discussion about fit directors, which has taken Twitter by storm. Uh, it's caused a bit of a Twitter hurricane, a Twitter cane, if you will. Mm. Uh, attractive directors of either sex who didn't start out as actors. Those are the rules. I it's think we should important. say didn't start out as stars. So, because last week I said Ama Asante. Yes. But she was an actress before she became a director. Yeah. So and we've also been talking about people like Noel Clark, yeah. who has acted a lot. Yes. So, you know, maybe we should... Actually, he might not qualify because of that. But, you know, maybe we should be saying not stars. So not Mel Gibson, not Ben Affleck, but, you know... Or, or I'm just going to throw this out there, abandoning the whole thing entirely. No, this no, is no, a no, great no. idea. This, People this are awesome. fascinated. This is awesome. Uh, we've had three responses. Uh, <laughs> at Ficky Rodway suggested Edgar Wright. Someone else suggested Noel mm-hmm. Clark, And there were a couple of votes for Eli Roth. Who, again, has acted, you say? Yes, but he was director first, then actor. So it kind of mm. works. It, it, it does work for him. Okay, so it hasn't quite hit hurricane levels yet, uh, but we're going to keep it going anyway. Uh, <laughs> when does that never stop this? Send us your suggestions for fit directors, a.k.a. the feature that would make sight and sound tut loudly at us and maybe cross our legs to the usual addresses, which are coming up in a second or two. Okay, we got an email from uh, Dallas King, who was uh, on last week. He returns to ask, This weekend, I'll be watching the digital reissue of Jaws at the cinema, which will mean I've seen every single film of my all-time time top 10 on the big screen not just video TV DVD etc uh, he wants to know what film would we like to see at the, at the big screen that we haven't seen before I'm not 100% sure I've seen certainly I haven't since release seen Serrano de Bergerac on the big screen and I adore that film so mm-hmm. um, that would be maybe one for me I'd like to see Lawrence Arabia on the big screen I think that would be pretty awesome oh yeah I know they did it in Cannes uh, but, oh yeah because uh, they 
but I sadly had to fly home. There was a, there was an evening in Cannes where they had Lawrence of Arabia, uh, restored, beautiful print, uh, all four hours of it. Is it still playing? Hours. It is still playing. Uh, <laughs> on the same night as Once Upon a Time in America, the restored cut with an extra 25 minutes of ringing phones and, and whatnot. <laughs> so, and that was four and a half hours. And so you basically had a choice between the two. Uh, I'd love to have seen either, but uh, sadly I had to fly home. What can you do? The flight was shorter than the film. Yeah. <laughs> I've never Thank seen you. The Godfather on the big screen. like see that. I've seen Godfather Part 3. That was unfortunate. Also, I was really young at the time, so I spent most of it running around the seats with a friend of mine and just ignoring the film. I probably <laughs> shouldn't have been in there, I'll be honest with you. Did you get punched on the way out? No, no, okay. not, not for that one. Did see Aliens, have seen Die Hard as well, those, those reissue things. Never seen Predator, Commando, or indeed Nuns on the Run. So... <laughs> Well, that's the big one, isn't it? So yeah, that's the gift that keeps on giving. That's the holy grail. The yeah, the one I ha- haven't seen. Uh, would love to see. Uh, well, there are, there are tons, frankly. But uh, Die Hard would be really interesting. And I'm gutted because last year at Film Four's summer screen at Somerset House, which is this fantastic thing in in London that happens every August, uh, Alan Rickman yes introduced Die Hard incredibly to a, to an enraptured crowd, uh, mm. which was phenomenal. Now, I was there a few years ago when Brian Blessed introduced Flash Gordon. Oh my and I imagine <laughs> was he the in the room or was he just... <laughs> <laughs> he was shouting over from several counties away. He was in Bristol. Um, <laughs> no, he, he just basically, he walked up on stage and immediately went, Gordon's alive! <laughs> and the crowd went mental. And then every single time he appeared on screen throughout, the crowd went mental. Okay, thanks a lot for your contributions. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, the usual way is via Twitter at Empire Magazine. You can hashtag us at hash Empire Podcast. You can also email us at podcast at empireonline.com or get in touch with us on our Facebook page where we are, of course, Empire Magazine. Okay, time for some lovely movie news now. Now, this week, I'd like to break from tradition and kick things off uh, with a discussion of Danny Boyle's opening ceremony plans for the 2012 Olympics. He's a movie director. Therefore, it's allowed. And this is, the, uh, this is his plan to turn the Olympic Park into essentially a giant farmville set with <laughs> sheep and geese and cows and cricketers and artificial rain clouds and mm. celebrating this green and pleasant land that England <laughs> maybe used to be is in certain places. I'm sure Brian Blessed has fields all around where he gambles oh, yes. wildly in the sun. Uh, gambles with an O, gambles, just to be clear. Yeah, not, not, yeah, not gambles. Yeah. That'd be terrible. Uh, so what do we think about this one, Helen? What, what, I'm a little bit mixed up about the whole Olympics thing, I guess. Um, I think it's, I'm sure it'll be good in the end. Uh, it's just right now, it seems like a almighty faff. But uh, but yeah, I mean, this will be excited? interesting. I'm kind of not. I did get a ticket. I'm going to go, be going to see the ping pong. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah, I wanted to see the men's tennis and I didn't get lucky in the draw. And then, I, then after that, after I put in for those tickets, I put in for tickets that I thought would be, you know, weird sports that you would only see at the Olympics. It's like tennis. It's like tennis. Isn't it called table tennis, not ping pong? I don't really care. But uh, I have to say, um, a former member of this parish, uh, mm-hmm. Kat Brown, who used to write for Empire, she uh, will be in some way... A drummer or a dancer well, or something? Well, Danny Boyle specifically told her that she wasn't allowed to tell us um, what she was doing because she, she bounded up to him and went, hello, I used to work for Empire, I've met you. And he went, oh God, don't tell those people what I'm doing. Um, so she hasn't really well, told me very presu- much. Presumably he didn't say it in that derogatory tone. Don't tell those people what you know. We well, no, Danny I think Boyle he was likes just, us. I think Don't was, you, Danny Boyle? He loves us. Yes. He's been in several times for web chats. Um, however, I think he was worried that we would, you know, as hard-hitting journalists, mm. report on everything that we heard. And indeed, Cat he did let has slip. Never met us. Cat did let slip that she will be using a drum. So there will be drums involved. 
Oh my god. I know. That is mega. Are you a little disappointed though, Phil or James? That there are that, no zombies. That there, well, Infected. there are no zombies. There's, 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 no, zombies, there's yeah. no heroin here. There's nothing like that. <laughs> uh, that. That doesn't really tie in in a way with any any movies or any of uh, that, or our rich cinematic heritage. It's all a little bit pastoral, isn't it? Um, yeah, I hadn't really thought about it like that. I know he's a director, but mm. he's also done theatre and you know many other things. So. I hadn't really thought about him coming at it from a movie point of view. I'm sure there'll be... It's a three-hour you know, It's three hours. Yeah, yeah. there'll be elements where they like embark on a mission to reignite the sun or something. You know? That would yeah. never be amazing. Yeah. Or sort yeah. of toilet diving in there somewhere. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it looks amazing. I mean, I'm just... <laughs> I look at this and I think everyone in the world is going to be watching. Except it's, me. It, apart, yeah, but you're just so negative about everything. <laughs> Stop it. But... Everyone's going to be watching it, and it's just so eccentric and weird yeah. and brilliant. I think and, it's fantastic. And it yeah. does, it looks exactly like that thing you were saying, the, the kind of, you know, when you got the little animals from Hamleys. Well, it looks like, I used, to, I, I used to play Subudio a lot as a kid, and it reminds me of just like a, a larger version of, like, almost like when you have this full Subudio stadium, and you have these, what well, I used to go whole hog, and I used to have the crowds, and you used yeah, to have the stands, and yeah. used to paint people. Anyway, that's the saddest thing ever. But, um, and it just it looked amazing, because it was like, right. it was this massive sort of well I guess it was a micro scale of a, of a stadium and I just love the idea that this this guy's trying to cram the whole of England into a, into one stadium did you do your own sort of crowd noises when you were playing I used to do commentary <sighs> yeah um, Sabuta didn't make a lot of sense to me and neither does this but I love it I think it could be I just think you know the Chinese they kind of broke the bar with Beijing with the opening ceremony there you, yeah. you know that was the avatar you can't really attempt so let's do something Really yes, Danny really Boyle directs really the Sylvanian family's movie. That was the, that was the Avatar. The this will be the passport to Pimlico. Yes, exactly. Why not? There's why an Ealing, okay. Ealing flavour. Absolutely. Which other British directors could have done this? Ken Loach. That the obvious, <laughs> the obvious choice. Donkey jackets all round. Bill's Forsyth opening ceremony would have been good. <laughs> Ken Branagh. Can you imagine that? Two Hundred people. meters dodging used needles on the track it would have been amazing. <laughs> Chris Nolan's uh, opening ceremony might have been might have been quite interesting. Yes, Bane blows up half the field. Yeah, <laughs> all of the competitors <laughs> fall into a chasm and die. Yeah, but too I, much. I liked <laughs> I liked uh, something Phil said there. I, I quite like the idea of having uh, Danny Boyle. Uh, movie-inspired Olympic events. Toilet diving would be one. If you have any others, then do uh, send in via tweets or emails to the us Princess for next Street week. Sprint. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, okay, Helen, what's been uh, tinkling your movie news ivories this week? Well, I'm uh, very intrigued slash concerned slash um, interested in the news about World War Z. I really, really love the book. Uh, the book, if you haven't read it, A, you should, and B, it's the story of a sort of zombie plague uh, that spreads across the entire world, um, but it's told through a series of first-person narratives, um, yes. basically charting its course through the whole globe. And it's terrific. It's an absolutely great book. They've been trying to adapt it into a film, and it's one of those stories that doesn't seem to fit film, to be perfectly honest. But nevertheless, good people involved, quite interested in it. It's got um, Brad Pitt starring and producing, Mark Foster directing, you know... It look. It was looking good. You had me up until Mark Foster. Well, <laughs> you know, I'll be honest. He, he's he's got some game. He he's directed films. He yeah. made Finding oh. Neverland, which is really really good. Yeah. Mm. Although Quantum of Solace was not so good. Let's mm. not talk about it. Anywho, mm -hmm. uh, but however, today or this week was the the news that um, Damon Lindelof has been brought on to do major rewriting work on the film, which, as far as we knew, had pretty much finished. So this is massive reshoots yes. of, uh, reportedly, basically the entire third act. So basically they don't have an ending that works. 
And that's a little bit weird to me because the ending of the book kind of does work pretty darn well. Yeah, I've been reading rumours about this uh, production going awry as well mm. uh, this week. It sounds like a little bit of a mess, uh, sadly. Yeah. Uh, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, one of the problems is, of course, that uh, as you said, I don't think the, the the book necessarily lends itself to a three-act structure, to a, to a film structure. So they clearly had to go in there and reconstruct the book and yeah. focus on... Um, the Pitt character and he has a family and, and, and whatnot. Yeah, it's made, I mean, what, the kind of strength of the book, I think, is that it has this kind of completely world-spanning vision and it, it takes in, you know, all classes, all countries, well, not all, but many, um, all different kinds of people and it tells you the story from all these different viewpoints, which I really enjoyed and it scared the living daylights out of me, frankly. And I, th- I feel like if you've got one character that you're following through all this, you know, presumably... UN observer, you know, travelling round as this thing kind of spreads you'll still hit some of the kind of set pieces but you won't have that feeling of being everywhere you won't have that kind of overall global vision in the same way and so yeah, I'm kind of, I'm really excited about it and really looking forward to it but I've always been a bit concerned about how much it can resemble the book and and this obviously, you know, isn't a brilliant sign. Having said that, better that they realise there are problems at this point you know, stop it, go back, try and fix them, then releasing something they know is a bit rubbish. True, true. So. Uh, and I guess, in this movie's defence, although I believe it's using fast zombies, which uh, is never oh. it's never ideal for me, although I did like Zack Snyder's Donald the Dead mm. uh, quite a bit. But yeah, this movie, I think, will try and present a truly epic look at a, at a zombie apocalypse mm. that we never really have seen before I mean obviously the Romero films were mm. limited by budget even Zack Snyder's movie was limited by budget The Walking Dead it's all comes down to budget ultimately yeah. for, for movies like this they c- just cannot do it and this is a hundred million dollars we've never seen anything like this before I think in terms of the scale of it so I'm excited to see whether Absolutely, we can show yeah. entire cities being devastated or hordes, a million mm. strong hordes of mm. zombies or... Well, those are some of the most amazing scenes in the book because, you know, as the epidemic war, spreads a, across the yeah. world, yeah, a couple of countries start trying to nuke the zombies. That mm. doesn't go so well. Um, uh, other countries, you know, you do have the... They sort of start spreading in herds and sweeping these huge, huge, endless crowds of zombies the just kind of sweeping across continents. Like, mm. This is this is potentially amazing stuff. The Max Brooks book has quite a strong sort of political satirical subtext isn't it you know with isolationism and you know yeah I mean definitely there are countries respond in different ways so Israel immediately puts up a huge wall and fortifies the border (laughs) Um, Britain weirdly the Queen takes people into Windsor Castle and that becomes a massive um, fortress does the Queen queen tool up at any point Um, I'd like to think so but sadly that's not specifically addressed Um, you know the Americans survive better than a lot of the Mm. Europeans because they have more guns (laughs) you know that kind of stuff they shot this last year in Malta and Glasgow and they've been Mm-hmm. It's been in, un, in production for a long time now, and they've obviously spent a lot of money on it. And they've they've obviously been a lot of meetings at the studio where they've sat down and said, "This is good. Let's go. Let's go. It's green light. Go." Now, why now? Are they but saying I, that I, there's massive problems with the third? It could act? be the Men in Black Three situation film where you we have a, a big name attached. They they have a release date ready to go. Yeah, and you you sort of corral the film into production before it's really really ready. So it could be that. And no, I get that. I understand that. But with Men in Black, my understanding was that they were kind of at the beginning of the shoot. They were they were rewriting and they were kind of still working on the plot. But most of the you know the basic overarching story was mm. still was in place with You're this right. it this sounds like they had no ending this is unusual for a, a writer who had no previous connection to the project to be brought on right at the very well, in, when they're in post mm. And, mm. and write some new scenes and, and completely recalibrate the the ending and Joseph Michael Stravinsky's got pedigree 
doesn't he? The original writer. Yeah, he does. Yeah, um, Jay Michael. Yeah, Jay Michael. Yeah. So, mm, I, I don't know. I was excited about this. I love zombie movies um, and yeah. infected movies and yeah. any of those sort of things. I was a little harsh on uh, Mark Forster there. I mean, you know, I, I think you're right. Find the Neverland is a, is a good film, but I just the rest of his movies just leave me. He hasn't off. done anything like this though. I mean, nothing. Well, kind of, Solace was obviously big. Yeah, but but, but but nothing with this sort of tone and and and. Um, you know, like you say, massive global scale. Indeed, indeed. Well, we'll keep an eye on that one, see what happens. Uh, Phil, what's your story? My story is Noah. Um, Darren Aronofsky's film, which has just completely intrigued me from the beginning. It's so unlike anything he's done before. Anything we've kind of seen before. It's like the end of 2012, the Emmerich film. Onwards. Just people <laughs> floating around and out. We were talking about this at length. Ray Winston signed up. Deadline reports Ray Winston is in the process of signing up to play the bad guy. Now, which Anyone God, who's read surely. the Bible or been to Sunday school, what bad guy? I mean, you know, there's like God unleashes the flood upon the earth because you know man is intrinsically sinful. Why well, I, I don't. And know then that. God unleashes Ray Winston as well, just to rub it in. <laughs> um, it's terrifying. Russell Crowe is Noah. He's got to build an ark. He's also got to corral two of every animal, not three or four or one. But he's got to get everything right. It's a lot of species out there. He's also now got to deal with with uh, with, a, with a chippy East Londoner. Uh, so we're saying, so he's the villain. So he could be God. He could be the sea. He could be a particularly truculent hippo. We're not really sure. I think it was going, it's about Noah and his family. I'm around his extended yeah, family. Yes, yes. I yes, think yes, Ray yes, Winston yes. may be someone who either is a dissenter or when they get on the ark, he causes yeah, problems. You, yeah. I'm obviously, so, so, being a little flippant, it is a Darren yeah. Aronofsky film. It's <laughs> not going to be as remedial as having but, Ray Winston playing a sort of stop motion hippo. But I, I don't know anything about. You know, all I know of this story is what I when I was taught in Sunday school and at school and RE um, so I didn't go I haven't gone deep into the Noah uh, legend so I don't know whether you know because I know Emma Watson is playing a character and they, they've mm. given these characters names I don't know whether these names actually come from an, an, a, deeper, are, yeah. a deeper uh, version of the, the story is this, so are these people who are purported to have existed or is well, this like his sons are named in the Bible for example okay. and I think their wives as well though I'd have to check I hope I, it starts with those check. kind of scrolling Star Wars style titles with like Noah begat Josephiah. Yeah, begat. <laughs> just for like 10 minutes of that. <laughs> you just want some begatting. It's going to be, begin begat. surely with rain. 40 Strap days and 40 begat. nights of rain. Or as the Scottish call it, summer. But this is, you know, thinking about it, 2012 is the story in a sense. You know, it's the, it's the kind of the age-long Hollywood story about, the, you know, the believer and the unbeliever and God and faith and all of this. And Russell Crowe's obviously going to look like a bit of a lunatic as he's building this boat. And, get, you know, everyone else is kind of going, what are you doing? And he knows something... Because he's got like you know, he's on God's yeah. Twitter feed. He got, knows what's coming. Yeah, it's an Aronofsky film, so I think I'm you know we'd be reasonably confident to be excited about it. It's yeah. a fancy epic, so it's very different from anything he's done before. But you know, he's obviously interested in psychological issues mm-hmm. um, and and a borderline guy psychosis a- and people building things. And also, yeah. he's let's not forget he's a drunk guy wanting to build a boat. Yes, like, Noah, it's a drunk it, guy building a huge boat to house all the animals in the world. Yeah, and. Ray Winston and Noah, a famous drunkard, you know. So it's a, it's a, it's a potentially very bizarre thing. Yeah, um, but absolutely, you know. it could be a beautiful mind. Jennifer Connelly's in it. Yes, kind of. Well, she's in talks. Last I heard, wasn't she? Um, yes, I'm going to say the talks are over. <laughs> <laughs> Exclusively, Phil. I'm getting this. Yes. I'm getting this now. Um, who first. knows? Anyway, but I mean, Ray Winston's in it, and I'm, you know, you know, he could be setting up with no, three, no, six, five boots we, on we, the arc. We are very, very excited. And James, what are you excited about this week? Uh, for me, this week, actually, Robocop. 
as I'm sure everyone's seen, that Hugh Laurie has joined the uh, the cast of the Robocop remake as uh, essentially the head of OCP. Not the, you know, obviously the character is going to be slightly different, but not in this case to Ronnie Cox, Dick Jones' character. Uh-huh. But I suppose more akin to the old man, the uh, the Dan O'Hara character in the original. Do we know whether um, the names overlap apart from Murphy? I don't think so. I don't think so. Not that I've not that I've seen. There's anyway. no Clarence Bodiger in this one. No, one would think not. <laughs> okay, because it seems very very different. I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm really struggling to see how this might be better than the original because I just I love the original so much. But every turn this this movie makes intrigues me because he mm. seems to be focusing on a different part of the process really. Because Robocop very much kind of shoved his family out of the way there was a little bit of sadness about it we never saw the wife but Abby Cornish is in this I believe yeah, and she's, she's playing she's wife. Murphy's wife and so there's going to be a bit of you know a, a wailing and anguish about that and then uh, Gary, Gary Oldman's in it as Norton yeah. who is create the creator he's of the Robocop. scientist yeah yeah, yeah. So it's, it's going in different directions. and It is. It's quite interesting, because obviously the, the first one's about... So I, do we know if this one's set in Detroit? Do we know? Because obviously so. the first one is quite prescient, isn't it? Because it's the old Detroit and the decline of the automotive industry. Now we have old Detroit. It's there. It's in Detroit. Um, <laughs> so now we just need new Detroit and OCP to come in, and it's all coming to pass, really. <laughs> and Skynet. Yes, all, indeed. All sorts, yeah. um, no, I'm interested to see what they do with this, because Paul Verhoeven's vision of, of the original was a sort of very subversive, very sort of satirical uh, thing, and also an exceptionally good film for its time mm. um, and it's yeah I, it, it's it's very hard to see this improving on that apart from maybe simply updating it and really freaking violent as well it, yeah it's unbelievably violent and a really good is. Game Boy yeah. game that was absolutely <laughs> uncompletable <laughs> really hard you I didn't see so you going slowly. there fella, I won't lie you could shoot like upwards or yes I remember the game hopeless. Yes. but very I remember no, it being yeah, incredibly when, violent yes when Murphy gets killed by Bodica and the gang yeah. and, and when Emil you know when, when yes. Emil gets essentially slushed Yes. By the car. Y- the toxic waste. Yeah. I mean, not just violent, but really disturbingly violent. Really? Paul Verhoeven can just notch it up. Oh, he's amazing. Love yeah. Um, and also the um, uh, stop motion. Yes. Um, the Phil Tippett. The Phil Tippett stop stuff. Motion, yeah. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's Jose Padilla's doing this, isn't Yes, it? who's the director of the, the, lead, the Elite Squad. Films. Indeed. Indeed. So, what, do we, yeah. what do we think? So he, well, it's he a can, good time, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. He, can, he can do Elite Squad's great. Yeah. I just hope this has the uh, sense of humour that Robocop had. Well, well, you need it, I think, when you're dealing with a film like this. You need that kind of undercurrent of humour. Indeed, the, the cast knocks the spots off the original. And there's no disrespect to Peter Weller or to Nancy Allen or anyone else who's in the original cast. Ronnie Ferrer, Bloody Cox. Ronnie Cox. Actually, no, hang on. That's a bloody, I was about to say, it's Ronnie Cox and Miguel Ferrer. Come Miguel on. Ferrer, yeah. Kurtwood Smith. It's all good. Hold it's on, all yeah, good. you're Ray right. Ray Wise. Both God, that's the best cast ever. <laughs> I take everything back. I'm so sorry. Okay, so uh, now our bellies are filled with news. It's time to welcome some guests into the podcast booth. We've got some crackers for you this week. Storied double acts both. First up, Richard Griffiths, aka Uncle Monty from Withnail and I, Uncle Fernand from Harry Potter, and Dr. Meinheimer from Negagon <laughs> Two and a Half. Yep. And uh, Danny DeFito with the Penguin, the Lorax, and Sid Flaming Hudgens, the name but three. They came in to talk about their West End revival of Neil Simon's classic play, The Sunshine Boys. And they spoke to a shell-shocked Helen and <laughs> Ali Plum, who held on for grim life as anecdote after anecdote whistled past her ears. Enjoy. You know, I, I look at it as every single day. I look really look forward to going to the Savoy, going to work, hitting the boards, going up there. And this is my first time in, since 1972 that wow. I've been on stage. Cuckoo's Nest off Broadway was my last experience, and now I, uh, you know, I, I don't know where I got the nerve just to jump into the, the, the British theater here with the in the West End. But if I didn't have Richard Griffiths with me and well, and Thea Sherrick, who was our director, I wouldn't have done it. Well, it doesn't show that you haven't done it for a long time. I tell you now, it's very impressive what you do. It's got a lot to do with the play, and it's got a lot to do with the people you're with. I always yeah. feel like you know you. Yeah. 
you get that comfort level and and now we're having a lot of i mean really been having a lot of fun from the beginning but like i said we only i i I honestly said this in rehearsal this is going to go by so fast because we we were having a ball you know just having a great time it's a give and take play you know Mm -hmm. and if you have um if you have audiences that respond Mm -hmm. you know it's it juices you up and it's just it's that Richard always said it, and then mm. Thea was always saying to me, "It's like Doctor Theater. Yeah. You know, you go in and you, you don't. No matter how you feel, once you get out on that stage, it just takes you for a ride." Yeah. Are, you, are you finding new laughs each show? Because well, you know you're going to find new ways. Constantly working of, on new stuff. Yeah, mm. I, 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 I'm, I'm working on things. I mean, I've got all these physical problems that are, are reported in the script, mm. and I'm having to explore them late in the run you know things like his arthritis and diabetes how does that change things you know and he's busted knee and he has a cane and uh and all of that keeps creeping in but in such a way as either not to steal ruin the focus or to make him laugh no you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to upstage me or anything no. <laughs> i understand but by the way he does he does things that you know all along the run where i am surprised that and things he's like he's saying we're always working on stuff but one of the things that got me the other night a big time was he picks up we do this table stuff the moving of the furniture which is like one of the brilliant things that neil simon did in his play and we've you know we're servicing it really doing i mean i think we're really serving the play the author well but richard added this one little thing a couple maybe a week or two ago i don't remember where he gives a grunt move when he picks up the table and i wasn't really you know i'm just i'm watching him and all of a sudden he goes Oopa. and i like that did it man i corpse like crazy i went you know that's what you call it here when the person when the actor laughs yeah. on the stage a couple of things he you know just uh, has added uh, that but it's good Kevin. it's like one of them circus things these showbiz people are so full of crap about uh, making an event of something you know, the guy is moving a chair. <laughs> What's the big deal, right? So yeah. he goes, like, you know, every time he touches something, he goes, Hup-ba, to uh, to show that we're now doing Effort. something important. So yeah, he does yeah, it. Yeah. He does it with the table. And he does it with the, every time he touches the chair and lifts it. It's only when you lift something, <laughs> you do that little triumphal noise. Hup-ba. Opa is Greek. Opa, uh-huh. and it means like it, it, it's uh, only three letters. O P A. Opa. But they mean it to mean something like, what about that, you know? Okay. I did not know. I thought it was just an exclamation. Oh, it's like when, when you... Well, it when is. But when uh, they say, oppa, they say, whoa, look at that show. Yeah. Uh, when your girlfriend walks in in a negligee and you go, oppa. Yeah. That's the thing. You go, oppa. She says, no, it's Mariana. If you get the name wrong, <laughs> you you're out of here. <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, it's, it, it's like that, you know, the t- weeny, weeny details. But it's just that you fill up every... Every it's all about the details that you can pile in mm. more and 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 more because it just makes it easier for the audience and it also gives you time you know because you start off when you're learning these things it's like you know this, you're just trying to learn the first line mm. it's, it, well in my case it's it's unusually bad because I always 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 whatever show I'm doing have a terrible problem with the very first line that I <laughs> say and the first line in this play is a killer for me it goes, how are you? Hello. Nice to see you. How do you do? Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> now, if you can pick the teeth out of that, I'll be really interested, you know, because it's, it's a nightmare trying to fill that in. And sometimes, 
you get an audience that is on a crazy high and they applaud when you come in and because they've mm. seen you in something or you know <laughs> and you think oh don't do that because <laughs> the timing is all talk. screwed now because we, we, we can't be heard mm. and we have to stand there like lemons in the doorway me and poor adam mm. levy and wait, oh, he does. I mean, he's all right because they, well, the curtain goes up and they see him. And they, they, there's a round sometimes, mm. and that's fine because nothing's yet damaged, and his timing is still intact. Whereas if I come in, in the, I'm in the middle of a scene, so if that happens, I'm screwed, you know, because I have to do this fake Stand acting there, of standing there looking around. like I can't remember the time Pretty of day, fair. which isn't hard for me, but <laughs> you know, I have to be clear about this, but. It's something you say, oh, it's so hard to cope with. Mm. And then I've still got this nightmare line to say. Yeah, all yeah. he has to say is, how do you do? I'm Ben Silver Silverman, which is, you know, perfectly good English. And I have to say, oh, how are you? Hello, nice to see you. How do you do? Hello, hello, how are you? And make sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you, you say, you know, people recognise you from things. Your CV, your list of, of, of films and plays for Pitt is astonishing. Like, you know, everything from, you know, Chariots of Fire to... I think. Bang, 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 bang. Well, there, there you go. Uh, to obviously with Nail and I. Yeah. I'm curious to ask Danny here. Yeah. Have you seen with Nail and I? This is even bigger CV. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, I've seen oh. pretty much everything Richard's been in. Well, we were going to ask you the same question then, Richard. Yeah. Have you got a favourite among Danny's films? Well, I revisited uh, the, the one for the Cuckoo's Nest where he played Mr. Martini. Because it, I mean, it wasn't planned or anything. It just came up on TV just after we'd started rehearsing. Oh really? <laughs> And I thought, oh, this is good. I'll watch this. And I, I, I remember I'd loved One Flew Over the Cookson when I first saw it, just because of the... It's it's like, it's like not anarchic. It's somebody trying to tell the truth. And the whole system d- doing its damnedest to shut him up because of that. And it's just about the way we live in this stupid world we live in. And, uh, and there was Danny doing a remarkable thing, actually, which was almost no dialogue. He carries this character through the movie, and by the end of it, you know a lot about Mr. Martini, and you love him, and you feel for him because he's somebody who is destroyed by the violence of the world and the danger it represents, and he's had to, you know, he's had to go to this very strange place, and uh, it was a fabulous. I mean, the acting all around in that show was just amazing. I mean, Nurse Ratched, Louise, it was amazing. When you read the book and then you think, well, like, nobody could do this, and then they do it. Yeah. It was divine. What about then coming to this one? Because this is, you know, old vaudevillians. And it's it's kind of, in some ways, and I'm, I don't mean this as anything but a compliment, but it feels like a very old-fashioned play. Uh-huh. It feels like it's a very much a character piece. It's yes. very much, it brings the vaudevillian comedy that was these guys' lives into their lives. You yes. know, yeah. they, they, they can't help but think That's that way. That's the thing with Neil Simon's plays, this blend of... As you say, the 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 way they they operated as a team, and the way they operated in their show, is is like really dovetailed and melded into their their daily lives because their their delivery, everything is is done in a kind of a way that you know you could j- with one more little twist on it, and you could put that on stage. Mm-hmm. It's like no matter what, like conversation, they can have a conversation about who's passed away and who's what, where they live or what's going on. That's that same little routine, just seems to be you know if two guys walked out on stage and did it. Mm. It's uh, it's it's going to work. It's going to make an audience laugh. It's uh, so you're right. It's it's that kind of uh, masterful construction of mm. a play. 
I would like to think of the first act be the beginning of the play being when Richard comes on. I'm in a prologue <laughs> of the first scene he's not in yet. Oh, but then God, when the play starts, the play starts when Richard enters, and then we have a uh, wonderful time together. Indians, what are you talking about? I see no. <laughs> <laughs> no, not true, not true. I heard this on arrival audio publication that Richard likes to say occasionally inappropriate things into Danny's ear at the end of a show. Oh, right. Oh, did you? Is there any truth in that? Well, what happens is... uh the there's a scene in the in the end of the play where there is a moment that the director Thea Sherrick uh, built in to the uh, to the end where the curtain has a part in the with the audience it's in the script you understand it's I in mean, the script yeah. and but it is like you know it's 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 so and in my character I I I go I go I go to sleep actually so I'm just tell you at the end I go to sleep he Richard is still carrying on so what happens is make a long story short he has to tell me when to get the hell off the stage yeah. because the, the audience is going crazy where you can't you don't know where the where the curtain is I'm sitting there my eyes are closed and he says to me something usually to get me off stage uh. anything he wants to say and i won't say it on your podcast but <laughs> there are many many different things that he says lately it's been no i won't tell variations you variations on the theme of we're out of here yeah <laughs> variations on the theme got to get is that what you meant i mean yeah, you, yeah, you didn't yeah. mean like during the curtain call you were talking about no, the very end of the play that's right yeah at the very end of the oh, play to right, get me yeah. off stage gotta get him off because i i'm there and he's he leans usually it was it used to be like I said, God, hit me with the cane. He didn't want to hit me with the cane. Uh, Grab my foot. He grabs my foot or something. But now he's been saying shit like, you know, let's, you know, uh, let's get out of here. Get out of Dodge, Charlie. Yeah, let's get out of Dodge, Charlie. <laughs> he said carefully. In, uh, with, with, yeah. with various... Uh, Remove your carcass uh, uh, from the fornicating set. <laughs> you know, or move, move that tush. Tush is a nice word. Mm. It's American theater slang for the gluteal muscle area. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very important. It's good to know. We're learning yeah. a lot of languages here, actually, oh, increasing yeah. our vocabulary. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, you but, but both of you, in my mind, are, are kind of institutions. Oh, I, 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 I hope I don't come across <laughs> as being too foreign or flattering. Crumbling but, piles, he means. No, uh, no. I mean entirely positively. You're like I, I see you. I meet you today, and my heart is beating. Mm-hmm. Thinking about all these films you've been in. You've oh. both delivered incredible lines, like iconic lines. Mm-hmm. This is a curiosity question. Mm-hmm. When people see you on the street, or they meet you. You know, at special events, do they say certain lines to you, and what are they? Uh, usually, with me, it's like uh, they'll they'll mention uh, they'll mention a movie. It's like they'll say they'll say the name of the movie, like Twins, or mm-hmm. which is the most popular one, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. out of all of them, in terms of like most people come up to me and talk about that. Matilda's mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. too, in terms of the younger generations, but. Mainly, it's they'll they'll yell out a movie. Some sometimes they'll yell out a character name, like a martini, or they'll yell out Louis from Taxi, yeah. something like that. But Twins really caught a, a popular imagination, yeah. didn't yeah. it? Because it was that such was a like, crazy idea that they actually sort of in the in this weird. It sums up a lot about the weirdness of the world we live in. Mm-hmm. Oh, this world, only this world, in only this world, could that happen? Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> Uh, I get it. Uh, go on. Sorry. Go yeah, what on. You, you, well, I was just thinking with Neil, I get a lot usually. That's that's the main thing. Grown. My son is people like do a that. With a fan and I have the lines, you know. Yeah. 
and then I have to I mean I don't remember them you know it's, it's 35 <laughs> yeah. years ago and I just did the job and left you know and I never seen it I've never seen it well I've seen it I don't know twice I think uh, somewhere um, but um, I do remember other people in it for instance my sort of favourite laugh in it is Ralphie Brown's stuff you know because he's just so brilliant at, 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 at the dealer and the, the lines of mine you know I get asked to do them and I sort of I can't remember them, you know, but <laughs> yeah. people supply them to me, yeah. you know. And uh, it's things like, uh, I can't remember, uh, things like, uh, oh, there's one which is, you terrible C word, mm. which I've been asked to put on a few phones from before now for very special friends as very big favours because it's a pain in the ass doing it, you know. Because I loathe all of that stuff, you know. But they, they, that's a favourite. The other one is, um, I do so love a firm young carrot. Do you grow? <laughs> you know, but the one that sticks with me most is there comes a point in a young man's life when he looks in the mirror and he says to himself, I shall never play the Dane. <laughs> At that point, one's ambition ceases, don't you find? <laughs> and um, and I'm beginning to think it might. You know, because I, w I would never have done that. The only Dane I would play is probably Ragnarok. <laughs> you know, the end of time. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah. Anyway, no, but yeah, it's just Shakespeare now. stuff's going right over my head. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I don't you, know what they're talking about, but I get it. I get, yeah. I get the gist. Yeah, but you were yeah. in Renaissance man. I thought you were, you know, Shakespeare. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why I understand and then, and, Shakespeare. And that the weird thing about it is that you guys say uh, Renaissance man. Yeah, and I say Renaissance man. Renaissance, <laughs> that's the, you right. say it's like tomato and tomato. That's right. Potato and potato. Yeah. Next up, another classic pairing. To celebrate the release of the Muppets on DVD and Blu-ray, we were overjoyed to welcome to the booth the great Pepe Lepron and some chanter named Kermit the Frog, who'll clearly never amount to anything. I was sick, sadly, and missed this one, and I'll never forgive James and Helen for taking this. All right. Where's the camera? I think it's, <laughs> oh, only, it's, it's radio. radio. It's only our voices. Yeah. It's radio? Yes. Do we get paid the same? Well, I don't know. I know I have a face for radio. Oh, good. <laughs> Oh, you're <laughs> It's an old joke. Yeah. <laughs> I could have said you. See, see how gracious I was? Use? I could have said use. Use? <laughs> I could use a anyway. little use. Some iron use. Okay. Well, ladies Hi. and gentlemen. Yes, hey. I'm sorry. You go right ahead. Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special edition of the Empire Podcast with our very special guests, Kermit the Frog and Pepe the Prawn. Hola. Hi how do you do? We, we are, we're Incredible. doing well, thank you. Thank yeah. you for asking. How, how do you do? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very you, happy that you're here. You we have, we have been introduced. My name's Helen. Hello, Helen. Nice to meet you. Hello. Of Troy? Uh, not, no, of, of London. Hello, oh, of London. Of yes. London. And also with me is uh, James Dyer. Uh, James Dyer. James Dyer. Wow. And that's, yes. That's Pepe, the king prawn. Yes, of course. Not, in fact, the king of prawns. No, no, it's, uh, it's all about the size, James. <laughs> size of the so king prawn, heard. my friend. So we've heard. Yes. See, see. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, welcome back. Are you pleased to be back on the on the big screen and, and now on the small screen? Yes. Yes, where have you been? Well, I was on the big screen, now I'm on the small screen. And on, a, the, and on the big screen quite again. a journey yes it's up and down in fact my whole down. life I, big screen small screen big screen small screen yeah. yeah Pepe and I have been doing a lot of work on our new DVD of yes. the Muppets mm -hmm. we uh, decided to save we a little money it. we had to shrink wrap it yep that's right we, we, mm -hmm. we uh, sort of an in-house operation put the Pepe's price, place put the price on it 
Put the, we made up our own price. Little price stickers. We, we burned all the DVDs ourselves. Mm-hmm. Wow. Just to save a bit, you know, these economic hard times. It's a lot of work, James. That's very green of you. So, Sorry. well, thank you. Yes, that's a, <laughs> yes, that, and it's truer than you know. Yes. And I took all the pictures on for the, 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 the what's it called? The pamphlet. The pamphlet. Mm-hmm. The some pamphlet. People, some people still call it that. The pamphlet. Some people call it an insert. The insert. But I like pamphlet better. The pamphlet. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, you're, you've been around for a while, Kermit. You know, you're, you're incredibly well-preserved for your age. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. Only I'm, I'm actually quite organic. I'm not preserved. And mm. moist. I, I am moist. I tend to be moist, which I think is the secret of my longevity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I recommend it to all of you listeners. Stay moist. <laughs> yeah, stay moist. It's important. But you've, you've been at this since, was it 1952? Well, 1955. Don't make, three years could make all the difference. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a long and, and distinguished career. Has has it got any easier being green? Well, yes, it has. It has. It is easier. Uh, I, I just had to get. You know, when I first sung that song, it was all about being comfortable in one's own skin. You see, mm-hmm. and uh, it sort of came became the battle cry of the environmental movement. You know. Wow. So uh, I, I'm happy about that. I but, had no idea. Well, I, I just think, uh, look, it's good for me, but if you happen to wake up, it's for your listeners. Mm-hmm. If you see yourself in the mirror and you're green, I would seek medical attention. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, wait around. Wise you words. Know? Very wise yeah. words. I mean, we, we should talk about a bit about the film because it was, you know, it was terrific. Got a, a hugely positive reception. I think there's a whole generation of kids who are, you know, too young to have seen you on the big screen before. So, Gracias. I know. directed it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Pepe was the director. Yeah, good job. I wrote, I wrote it. He he wrote he wrote well you you had rewrites I did the rewrites yeah he kind of pepped it up a little and bit no pun intended and I made the craft service foods yeah wow yep. yeah no Pepe. problems in the kitchen with you being you know prawn well that what, that's what how he keeps mean? control yeah. over everything ah. I I first met Pepe in Madrid that's true many years back yeah he was leading an anti paella movement paella paella I didn't I didn't say that right but some people paella yeah well I'm sorry. Paella. I am not from your country. Try it again. Paella. Pie. Pie. Yeah. 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 Paella. Paella. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so I basically did the whole film. Wow. Well. Yeah, all on my own. A quite an achievement. Congratulations. I'm not going to contradict that. you <laughs> <laughs> have always been a classy frog. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. yeah everything. The titles. Yeah. Uh huh. You know the curtains in the theaters. Wow! I did all the curtains, all, yep. all the theaters, yep. all of the theaters. Oh, every the cinemas too. I mean, not in like the Muppet Show theater as well, but I mean, he went to yeah. each cinema in the world. AMC, yeah, yeah, Cineplex Orion, yeah, yeah, yeah. All those. Who else? Empire, Empire, <laughs> ArcLight, yeah, everyone. Curzon, all of them. Wow! Yeah. And you, uh, you've gotten to you know be involved in in some of the great sort of cultural festivities of the last few months you know you were on the Oscars you were yes, on the Colbert the, Report I yes. mean you some know, of us big were. time the Hoboken Stinky Cheese Festival that's one of my favourites some of us were yeah yo you weren't there no no you, he, Pepe well or the Oscars you know you weren't there either no but the Oscars are fun okay there, good, there's yeah. nothing like going to the Oscars I mean you get to walk down the red carpet it's nice huh? yeah. you know it's yeah. great it's wonderful you had a good time yeah I had a great time and are you hopeful course, uh, for, a, for, a, for a nomination uh, well, no. I, I think I, I think probably not. I don't think so. Uh, you know, think one of our songs did win. We did yeah. actually, truthfully, in the, in the movie. Yeah, but uh, we didn't I sing wrote it. That, by the way, he he wrote that. Um, <laughs> I wrote all the music. Yeah, you really should have been on stage. That's a that's a horrendous injustice. Well, you know, I'm in the movie briefly. You mm. know, like Hitchcock. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm just a cameo. A, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. Quick, quick thing. 
And did you get a gift bag? That's a really important question. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? They don't uh, they don't do those anymore. No. I, people start. I was hoping to get one. It was my first time at the Oscars. You know, well, in a recession. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the tax thing. <laughs> people get taxed on the goods. Yeah. So they stop doing it. It's true. That's true. That's funny, but it's not a joke. That's not a gift. <laughs> no. That's not a gift bag. Listen, if they can tax you on it, they will. You know? Do you want to hear about our new movie? Go sure. We're writing the next movie. I, well, yes. Well, we're naturally, writing. Pepe is. Yes, I'm. Well, I'm heading it up, and Kermit is helping me a little bit. I'm trying. And uh, do you want to tell him what, what what it is? What's well, it's a it's a it's going to be an hour and a half, uh, a, a kind of a, a kind of a comedy horror uh-huh. adventure with uh, a little bit of uh, sci-fi, some thrillers, and, uh, and then a big surprise at the end. Yep. Yep. Wow. A couple yeah. of kids' songs. Yeah. And yep. uh, we're going to cover all the genres in one film. Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of celebrities. Oh, tons of them. Yeah. Robert <laughs> Redford. Robert Wagner. Uh, Robert Vaughn. Robert Goulet. <laughs> All the Roberts. We covered the Roberts. Every Robert. Robert Pattinson to get in the teens. Oh, I'll have to write that down. Oh, no, sure. Of course. Of course. Of course. Yet. No. 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 Okay. It's kind of like Poseidon Adventure meets Towning Inferno. Yeah. Yeah. But on Town. the land. On the... On yeah. the <laughs> yeah. Without on the, the fire, street. I hope. Yeah, without fire. Okay. Yeah, we don't want a fire. But a lot of water. Lots of water, because we both like the water. Yeah. Makes sense. You know? Yeah. Yep. Well, that, that sounds pretty terrific. I mean, I was going to ask, actually, because, you know, obviously the parody trailers for the last film, you know, they riffed on the girl with the dragon tattoo. They riffed on everything. Yes, so. I did those. Lots of people riffed on her. Anyhow, mm. yes, go ahead. Well, no, I, I was saw just, the movie. You know, I was going to ask what yeah. you thought. Well, uh, I thought it was strong and, and, mm. and, and uh, scary mm. and uh, suspenseful. Mm. And and Daniel Craig was great in that version. He was. And uh, and uh, I, I, I don't know I, what to say. I didn't see it. Well, there was a big tattoo. Oh, dragon. yeah? Oh, that sounds good. Wonder I should watch it. Maybe yeah. on the plane back. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. so. Well, I, was, I mean, I was, I was wondering, you know, are you, are you inspired by that? Are you going to go kind of darker next time? Is, are we going to look at a sort of, mm. you know, you know R-rated Muppet movie? It's funny mm. you should say that because mm. um, I, I, I played quite a dramatic role in this film. I was very sad mm-hmm. throughout the film. Mm-hmm. And the director kept saying, play it sadder. Play it sadder, I said to him. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that other director, too. Yeah. And uh, so I, I had like 16 different ways of being sad. Yeah, you're very it's quite good. a stretch. You're it's very, very new on it, though. Thank you. Show them, show them you said 15. Well, the radio view, people can't see this. Should no, I? No, but just show this. Folks. We'll react. Number 15? Yeah, this is number 15. 15 said. And now... Oh, that's very good. Oh, that's four. really sad. Four number, said. Which one? Four. Four? Four is more like... Isn't he incredible? Oh, wow. oh that's more depressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That was, that was very, subtle. Very angsty. Like, yeah. Do pensive. Yeah. Pensive? Yeah. Isn't he incredible? <laughs> that is amazing. That's astonishing. Yeah. Astonishing yeah. range you. as an Thank actor. You. I mean, you've, you've worked with all, all manner of people throughout your career. I mean, all manner. Orson Welles, uh, Michael Caine. I mean, is there, is there anyone still working that you've, you've yet to that you've yet to work with that you would like to? Uh, well, still working, yes. Yeah. Still living, no. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, there's quite a few of those. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. You know, I've always wanted to work with Reese Witherspoon. I have a okay. special place. I like small women. Did you say Reese? <laughs> yeah. Reese. Reese. And blonde, Reitz. you know. No, it's funny. As a as an amphibian, I have a strange attraction to mammals. Mm-hmm. I think you know what what you don't have, you're attracted to. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. in Makes my sense. world, we don't have the things mammals have. It's very interesting. So, have you guys been to the theater at all while you've been over here? <gasps> I know, planning. but we're going to. Yeah, we're going yeah. to go see uh, Danny DeVito. Yeah, and uh, Richard yeah. Griffiths. And Richard good. Griffiths. Yeah, yeah. 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 they're in the movie, by the way. The new movie, we're, they're in it. Oh, oh, Excellent. all the big celebrities. Yeah, yeah. everyone. And Danny DeVito, the small celebrity. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, I've seen that already. It's it's really good fun. Is it great? Yeah, yeah. Seagull. Oh, Seagull will be in the movie. Seagull. Yeah, Jonathan Livingston. Yeah, and not George. Jason. Don't, not Jason. Jason's out. George. 
Siegel. George and, jo- and Jonathan Livingston, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. This, yeah. this is weird, actually. We have um, Danny DeVito who's coming in here tomorrow to record an interview. Wow, hey. I'll try to make sure and, the chair's not wet. And Jason yeah. Siegel, not Jonathan, will, will be in on Friday. Jason's wow. here? Yeah, he's he coming in for yeah. f- the five-year engagement. Son of a gun. How about this? He didn't even call us. Funny he didn't even email us. I didn't even hear from him. Wow. Well, tell him that we that we really would like to for him to return our calls. Yeah, and okay. emails. Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I think I've sparked a di- diplomatic Jeez. incident. Yeah. You're working with the guy, and then you think you know someone. Yeah. Maybe he's not here yet. I Maybe told him a lot of things, that. okay? I told yeah. him a lot of things, Carmen. What did you teach him? How to act. Oh, like that? How to be good, you know, in the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What well, do I get in return, James? Well, he swapped you for Emily Blunt, really, hasn't he? Ooh. Well, Ooh, well, that that might be worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Emily's uh, Emily was in our movie. Emily, uh, Emily and mm-hmm. I talk a lot. Yeah. Yeah, she was in there. It was a very a nice little role for her. I mean, she was obviously with with Piggy. Where where's Piggy this week? Is she busy well, elsewhere? I, you know, I have to say I'm not quite sure, but mm-hmm. I'm 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 not unhappy about it because Pepe and I are a couple of guys in London. Couple of guys in uh-huh. London, just going around the town, hanging out, doing the the big eye, eating Peking duck and the the London eye, the London and, eye, yes, yeah, the London eye, right? Yeah, 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 stuff like that. Yeah, yeah excellent. You know, just guys on the town. Just a couple of guys having some fun, <laughs> having some fun on the town. Tearing no it up, ties eh? at all. No ties. <laughs> No ties. No. No. Wow. No, no pigs. No. I, I sense an undercurrent here, which uh, yeah, I don't want to well, stray into. I don't want to talk about it too much. Okay. She's probably, who knows where the pig is. She might be with Jason Siegel. Probably. Maybe. That's why he's not calling. <gasps> Maybe that's it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Son of a gun. Mm-hmm. You should call Emily Blunt and find out. Mm. From, from a career perspective, have, yeah. did you guys, I mean, do you feel threatened at all by the motion capture technology? Do you think it's making Muppets redundant? I don't think so. Well, we're using it in the new movie. By the way. Of course. Yeah, it's going to be a I mean, lot gonna, of CG. We're going to try it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of CG. Many, many CGs. Many CGs. Yeah, lots of them. And many yeah. real things, too. Yep. Wow. We like to mix it up. Mix it up. Hey, so right. then you won't have to be in the movie and you can have virtual representations of yourselves and sure. You know, yeah. Sure. Just provide the voices. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, we're, yeah. It's controversial. Well, it, it's it's kind of avant garde <laughs> for us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Taking it one yeah. step further. Mm hmm. We don't know what we're talking about. We're. <laughs> We are truthfully, with on all truthfulness, we are we are hoping to do another movie. Yep, and we're hoping to start shooting it next year. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, we're not writing it, but uh, but that we are hoping to do it. Yeah, because but the, the but Muppets did quite well. But it did happy. fantastically yeah. well, and and you know reviews wise, every everything. And uh, you know, did did uh, did you do you guys have some input in your characters? I mean, you know. Kermit, Pepe presumably you're... did. Yeah. Well, it's a part I was born to play. It was. Yeah. I am Kermit the Frog playing Kermit the Frog. Yeah. I will say that in this last movie, I I, I truly did play sort of a version of myself. It wasn't actually me. It wasn't mm. you? I don't really live in a Hollywood mansion or right. uh, get depressed all the time or lose hope. And I kind of did that. It was a yeah. stretch as an actor. Yeah. But very you know? good. Very good at it. Good sadness. Did you call me Alan? Did I call you? Very Alan? good. What? Did I call you Alan? What did you say? I didn't leave. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm confused with you with someone else. Alan Holder. Supposed Alan to see Holder. him later. He's in the movie. Yeah, he's in the movie. Yeah. We're being really silly. I apologize. <laughs> That's <laughs> quite all right. No, it's it's part of, you know, it's your... Very, do you like, want us to be serious? success. <laughs> We're very jet-lagged. Do you want to... Do you want to I can be serious. Well, do you want in, to do serious work? In all seriousness, there's, if you do get a chance to, to, to go out while you're in London, there's a, a yep. good film showing at the moment, Indonesian film called The Raid, uh, which is a hard-hitting Ooh. martial arts film. And, um, I mean, watching that myself, I couldn't help thinking all the way through... Who would win in a fight, you or Elmo? Oh, wow. Oh, Carmen would kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> I think uh, I think I'll, I'll, I'll just not answer that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. 
That's I don't true. Know. Oh, come on, Jordan. Well, he's just a kid. He's just a kid. I would never. I would never do anything to yeah, him. He's a fraction of your age. He's yeah. a fraction of my age. He's a fraction of my mind power. Mm. He's uh, he's he's a uh, you know a different kind of guy. He's a, mm. you know. You would kick his ass. Not gonna say anything. Plain and simple. Not gonna say anything. <laughs> Well, I suppose it would depend on the fight, really, because like Elmo with all the hugs. I mean, wrestling-wise, he might be dangerous, but if yeah, it was he's boxing, a grappler. he he's wouldn't be. He's kind of like a, a a furry fire hydrant. Yeah, yeah, he might you know? kill you with his voice. <laughs> that could, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it yeah. could make my head explode. Yeah, make your ears pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, we we could start some another rivalry here oh, we love him. Yeah. We a diplomatic okay, good, good, good. a diplomatic incident with sesame street we could kick his ass but we love him <laughs> right that's so, all so we know who's on top that's the main thing yeah yeah i always like to be on top yeah well it's, yeah <clears throat> never mind it's time to stop <laughs> that's okay with you i just have, have two very very quick questions to finish off with first of all growing up i had the muppets album and it is one of oh. the great albums i think you oh. know it's up there with the Beatles white one. album you know yeah. um yeah. so will you ever put it on itunes please oh can i put that out there wow that's sort of a question for uh for someone at the walt disney company legal yeah okay. I, I would do it in a heartbeat yeah i would make them myself like we did the dvds you know yeah mm -hmm. i think everything we own should be out there for free mm-hmm that's right <laughs> i'm great. telling disney you so. I'm a, <laughs> disney just heard it's a great idea i'm a, i'm a frog i live in the swamp what i don't need any money you? what is wrong with you i don't know i need the manis okay well everyone send pepe money yeah everything okay. is we for can't sale. say that on the radio can we it's probably against the law no it's fine it's okay fine. everything is for sale <laughs> <laughs> and very finally there was an announcement this morning about yes. a jim henson uh, company movie called frog and toad so what naturally i wanted to are you serious i'm you know not what? kidding i love those what the uh, those books yeah, actually, they're incredible books. I love Frog and Toad. Do you know? Have do you read these books? No, they're I never heard of them. Come on, they're incredible. After all those years, I was the only frog. No, no, these are great. These are great books. Well, I can't remember the author's name. Uh, did you know? I forget to be honest. I read it this yeah. morning, but you it's did? been a long time. The Adventures of Frog and Toad. Yeah. Yeah. No, I have stories. heard it. I have heard of it. Oh, you have. Yeah. Why are you lying, Kermit? <laughs> I, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to think of something interesting to say. <laughs> <laughs> you could just I talk figured about I would it. create conflict between us and I see. You're could... trying to force conflict. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I okay. like Frog and Tor. I think it's gonna be a great yeah. whatever it is, okay. Okay. But you're not you're not neither of you are involved that you know. I'm directing. I didn't I'm say that. I forgot oh. this mention. I might uh, I might just uh, you're directing? I forgot to tell you. I'm gonna audition for the lead. Kermit will be playing I can, Toad. I could play the frog, but I'd rather play the toad. Yeah, it'd be it's more a stretch. Of a stretch. It's a stretch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we're gonna use prosthetics. prosthetics. <laughs> we're like we're like so in sync right now I, I think so yeah yeah this is a beautiful thing yeah yeah it's any other questions not that beautiful i think we're, we're done thank you thank yes. you very very much are um, you staying I think in the area it's been an honor I, I do i live here in london yes i'm staying at the soho that's that's a lovely hotel are you single <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and say no what does well, that mean is it true or is that's, it a, great, that's a, a great way to get in trouble I'm going to go ahead and say She's no. in a long-standing <laughs> relationship with a shrimp. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, oh. oh. Well, okay. King Prong. <laughs> <laughs> James? No, I'm married, but thanks. Okay. <laughs> I just like You're flexible. I like that. That's, that's good. <laughs> Um, okay. And on that uh, just slightly strange bisexual note, <laughs> yes. just looking for someone to go to dinner with. That's all. Okay. 
well, hey, you're boys on the town. Surely you'll be out, you know, Stringfellow. Yeah, well, oh, that's right. We will. Is Stringfellow still around? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just wow. on the road from here, in fact. Son of a gun. Come on, we're going out. <laughs> we're going out. I we're going to go wait. out for some Peking duck. Okay. But, you know, he took me to the big eye, or whatever it's called. What's yes, it's the, the London, London eye. eye. The I London did. eye. Yeah. Yes. The yeah. wheel. I got nauseous. Well, I took some oh, video. Yeah. We're going to post that on YouTube, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But we got to do some fun things. That was fun. Carmen. Come on. It goes around in a circle and like it takes a half an hour, okay? It's the world's slowest Ferris wheel. Yeah, yeah come it on. Is. That's true. We but need some fast, fast, fast action. <laughs> well, that's Soho. Back to Soho. Yeah, yes. yeah there car, you go. You know. Soho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so you heard it here first. They're all heading to Soho this evening. Yeah. Uh, the Frog and the Prawn. The yeah. Frog and the Prawn. Kermit the My Frog. My favorite pub. Pepe the Prawn, thank you very, very much for coming thank in. You. And everybody, Gracias. the Muppets is out on DVD and Blu-ray right now. Ooh, I'm going to buy one. Oh, no, that's right. I keep forgetting. You already got one. Yeah. Could I just say that was amazing? I loved, absolutely loved doing that. I hate you. It was. It I was absolutely hate almost you. a career highlight, that was. <laughs> Although I just sat there staring. I've, it's weird to say. I was weirdly starstruck just being next to Kermit. Because let's mm. pull back the curtain on this. Uh, it wasn't just Kermit and Pepe the Prawn. In the room, mm. it was well, their handlers, their, yeah. their operators. His Steve, agent Steve was there. I don't, don't really know. Swedish chef. Well, they, they have assistants. Um, yes. Steve uh, assists Kermit, <laughs> and Bill assists Pepe. <laughs> so, that's, you know, they, they stood it. to the side. They let Kermit yeah. and Pepe just have their own heads, and they just yes. they went for it. And even though Steve and Bill, I mean, I wasn't in the room, but I've I've spoken to these guys before. And even though Steve and Bill were in the room. Mm. Uh, Assisting Kermit yes. and Pepe, you don't look at Stephen Bill as they assist. You look at Kermit. Well, it and would Pepe. be rude because yeah, you, you know yeah. they're not part of the conversation. You find so. yourself making eye contact definitely with Kermit and with Pepe. It's a very, it's much. A very Pepe's, bizarre. Pepe's a filthy little one. He really is. <laughs> he, he, was, he was a little bit perfect. They went off. Literally, they went off to strip clubs straight after they left the office. It was so shocking. My God, extraordinary. Yeah. Um, okay. Thunk it. <laughs> Indeed. When you watch Muppet Babies, to see he'd grow up that way, it's it's really quite. Well, tragic. now we know where Muppet Babies came from. Uh, okay. <laughs> Okay, before we take a look at the reviews, it's uh, competition time. Last week we offered three listeners a chance to win a Kerber Enthusiasm Seasons 1-8 to box set. The question was, which other classic sitcom did Larry David co-create? The answer is, of course, So Haunt Me. No, it's it's not So Haunt Me. That was a joke. Like the jokes you get on Seinfeld, which, of course, was the correct answer. The winners are Michael Friel, Veronica Cooper and Arno Swedema. Uh, sorry for the pronunciation there, Arno. Uh, congratulations to you three, and the box sets will wing their way to you presently. As for this week, we've teamed up with our old chums at Last Exit to Nowhere to offer five readers a chance to choose any two Last Exit t-shirts that they want, anything they want, as long as it's a Last Exit t-shirt and not something made up, and they have it in stock. The question is, who directed the film Last Exit to Brooklyn? Not Nowhere, Brooklyn. Send in your entries along with your names and addresses to podcast at empireonline.com and we'll sort out the tea wheat from the tea chaff next week. Okay, now it's time for the reviews of this week's big releases. A packed week. Packed, I tell you. So let's start with Rock of Ages. Uh, this is Adam Shankman's all-star celebration of Eddie's Rock based on the hit Broadway musical, the London version of which plays every night at the Shaftesbury Theatre, just a stone's throw from this very pod booth, which is pretty amazing. Audiences there get Shane Ward and Justin Lee Collins. Cinema goers get Tom Cruise, Russell Brand, Malin Ackerman, Julianne Howe, Paul Giamatti, Catherine Cedar Jones, <laughs> and Alec Baldwin. So who wins this one, Helen? <laughs> well, I think in star power, the answer is clear. It's obviously Shane Ward. I mean, it's obviously Tom Cruise. <laughs> so yeah, this is a jukebox musical, basically, which means that it's existing songs kind of set into a narrative. So you've got uh, Small Town Girl, Julianne Howe, uh, meeting City Boy, Diego Luna, and hey, guess what song is coming up for those two? 
Um, and uh, all against the backdrop of 1980s LA, there's a club on the strip. It's owned by Alec Baldwin. It's kind of managed by Russell Brand. Tom Cruise's rock star used to play there. Malin Ackerman's the journalist who's sent to interview him. Catherine Zeta-Jones is protesting outside. She's married to no. Brian Cranston. Ooh. Paul Giamatti's the evil agent. Everybody's in this. Right. And the effect is basically A-list karaoke night. <laughs> Um, now we obviously we're big karaokeers here at yeah, Empire we are, yeah. we are often to be found at local karaoke establishments so you know I have a lot of sympathy for that but the feeling I had about this film is a lot like the feeling you have at the musical itself which is that you're sitting there going this is rubbish but you're saying it with a massive grin on your face it's a lot of fun it's by no stretch of the imagine technically speaking you know a good musical but it is just immense fun I mean, you know, when you've got Tom Cruise turning up in sort of assless chaps at the beginning and then singing Bon Jovi, that's a good night out, isn't it? That's just hilarious. It sounds interesting, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I, not everyone's idea of a good night out, maybe. Well, but, I'm just yeah. saying it's funny. This you know? film reminded me of being, like, being tickled. Like, it's kind of fun to start <laughs> with, and then the longer it goes on, the more you want to punch someone in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Are you Len, the guy who was... <laughs> was you James. said I worked with James Dubois. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, you said I was the negative one. I, I, um, <laughs> but, you know, I think Helen's right, and I think our review's absolutely spot on. You cannot quantify this film. It's just kind of crazy. So it's, know, a bit like, it's, it's not like a Mama good Mia. film, particularly. Yeah. yeah, it's actually I think it's better than Mamma Mia. If you think that White Snake is the kind of the the acme of musical achievement, I absolutely don't. Then, well, I used to win an album called Precious Metal, and I'm embarrassed to say, and quite a lot of those tracks reappeared. So there was, you know, good moment. So, but you, but the people singing the songs aren't, you know, it's kind of a little bit of panto. Okay, <clears throat> uh, everyone sings in this. Yep. Uh, pretty much Brian Cranston I don't think sings oh I left him out on the um, cast list yeah you did um, I, I, it's alright I, I, I assume people know that Brian Cranston's in a film given that he's in everything these days That's he is so, in pretty much yeah. everything and hooray for that frankly um, yeah, but, no, but Boone doesn't sing either the, the singing's decent it's not spectacular I would say that probably maybe Alec Baldwin is, is he's the funniest but probably maybe the weakest There's oh, no. Adam, Adam Shankman who directed it who directed Hesbury he he has a sense of the absurdity of the thing that he's directing, I think, and that comes across. So it is yeah. fun and it's unhateable, even if you not really don't like this sort of thing, and okay. I kind of don't. Um, you can still get wrapped up in the... It's a bit long. So okay. I go back to the tickling thing. How, how's Cruiser's voice? P- really decent. Good? Yeah. Yeah? He, he, my, my only slight problem with him is he almost takes it too seriously. He's almost... He's throwing himself into this part as this dissolute rock star and seems to be doing so to a much greater extent than everyone else. Everyone else has a little bit of a twinkle in their eye, a little bit of a wink to the camera, and Cruz is like totally serious about this performance, which is almost kind of an unbalancing thing. But but not because he's bad, almost because he's too good. It's funny because he's in the same film as Russell Brand, who's played that kind of role in a slightly different, in a completely Mm. different way, obviously, in in Games of the the Greek Greek and stuff. And here, Russell Brand, he does this Ozzy Osbourne Brummy accent, and has some really terrible lines and, and, and a moment with Alec Baldwin that will kind of destroy your brain <laughs> so <laughs> that, that is true so you know handle with amazing. care approach with caution it sounds amazing we gave it three stars uh, yes it sounds like the most three star movie ever made pretty I'll, much I'll it's honest. up there yeah okay and uh, as for uh, people wondering about Empire Karaoke yes we do do karaoke from time to time and uh, maybe we'll persuade James to do his Tina Turner Goldeneye impression uh, one day one day it, it may happen <laughs> it's very special talk about things that will destroy your brain so that's Rock of Ages dealt with next up let's go British it's the Olympic year as you may have noticed and Noel Clark 
has capitalised on 2012 fever with Fast Girls, a timely tale of four London ladies who dream of racing in the Olympics. So what do we make of this one, Phil? A film about a relay team, British relay team, uh-huh. on the big day, running down the track, and there's Danny Boyle herding sheep across. <laughs> Is it at all like the relay scene from 21 Jump Street? <laughs> What relay scene in 21 Jump Street? I can't no, remember. The bit that. when he's high on drugs and he's oh, no. flipping out yes. and throwing yeah, or it everywhere. Or, or, or the dictator where they are like, shooting. But yes, we're <laughs> shooting the where her from being human guns down the other competitors. <laughs> yes. Right, okay, brilliant. No, that doesn't happen. But this is a fascinating film, isn't it? Because Noel Clark seems to be the only person in the British film industry who's gone, well, you know what, we can make a film about this. And he wrote, produced and stars in it, as he does next week's two weeks' time, Stories 24. Incredibly prolific guy. You're saying Stories 24 is an Olympic tie-in movie? Oh, it could be. Who knows? Maybe that's where we keep the the, the things that are going to be in the uh, opening ceremony. Who knows? Um, but it's just it's a fascinating that he's that he's done this and capitalised on it and got it out there. This yeah, year. yeah. He's I mean he's working incredibly hard at the moment. Anyone that's been reading the papers in the last few months will know that you can't use the Olympics for for marketing purposes. So Noel Clark, he's been you know working like a Trojan on this film, getting it turned around for the Olympics. But they can't actually use the Olympics as the the final destination for the movie. Which is a shame and I think it reflect doesn't reflect badly on the film. I think it reflects kinda badly on the IOC for being many things reflect badly on the IOC. They really yeah, I that's not even get get started. Um and I think that but we've seen this before in movies, you know. I mean, I, Cool Runnings—they are—they are at the Winter Olympic Games, aren't they? So I'm not really sure what the kind of legalities are. But they're here; they're training for the 2011 World Championships. But never mind all that. It is an Olympics film. It's kind of very much designed to tie in to the spirit of the, you know, the summer and the games. And, and no one else is doing that. They've re-released Chariots of Fire, but it seems like a bit of an open goal missed. Mm. Everyone's counter-programming with various degrees of success. And how's the film? Uh, the I, film feel, is, I feel this is one of those movies where I can tell you every beat before I see the film. Uh, You can probably tell me what happens on the DVD extras as well, I'd imagine. (laughs) (laughs) The deleted scenes. You can, but that doesn't matter, does it? I mean, you could, same with Chariots of Fire, same with, you know, Cool Runnings probably. It's not going to, there's no kind of third act twist where one of them turns out to be an android. It is very much, um, you know, a, 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 bonding film it's, it's like the, think of there's five of them so that's complicated for a four person relay team but um, <laughs> the, the, think of them as the Spice Girls with like baby uh, posh there's posh one okay. and then there's like three sporty ones <laughs> so they have a, it falls down it's the worst Spice the Girls parallel, ever the parallel falls down a little bit at that point but um, Lenora Critchlow as you mentioned from Being Human is uh, she's our hero she's our heroine rather she kind of you know from rags to riches very much she can't afford running spikes at the beginning and then she gets her talent is spotted by Noel Clark and, and his team of kind of Svengar, Olympic Svengali uh, sprinters and joins the British Olympic team and then she has a falling out with no! the, yes the posh girl hates her because oh come on I don't know I can't remember exactly I why I hope those two kids reconcile at some point I don't think yeah, they do. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, dear. No, I, you know, I mean, you, you do know it doesn't really matter. It's about the journey. And, you know, it's fun. It's not a pinnacle of British filmmaking this year, necessarily. But, it, you know, it's fun and it very much in the spirit of the summer and the Olympic Games. And, and it's well done. And there's a lot of love in it. And uh, you've given it three stars. Good. Good. Solid. Solid. A solid effort. It's The yeah. baton is not dropped at any point. Uh, in the film, it is, actually, yeah. Oh, another spoiler oh my god oh, this is unbelievable I have to see this film now yeah unexpected delights 
Okay, like I said, we're packed like Linford's lunchbox this week, so let's race on to Cosmopolis, which is David Cronenberg's latest. It's an adaptation of the Don DeLillo novel, and it depicts the breakdown, financial, psychological, and existential, of a young billionaire as he takes a limo ride across New York on his way to get a haircut. A lot of buzz around this one, not least because it's the latest attempt of Robert Pattinson to shed that R-Pat moniker and show he's a serious actor. So, does it work, Phil? Um... Yeah, I think it does, personally. I think this is a film that's definitely going to polarise audiences. Some mm. people are going to walk out of it and think that, that was just, what the hell was that? Um, that's not even grammatical, but that's probably what the film will do to you. And uh, <laughs> uh, what's funny about it, and I think Cronenberg is kind of aware of this, because this man has a very dry sense of humour. He's very funny, but he, you know, it's buried under layers in his filmmaking, less so when you meet him. But he, I think, loves the idea that Pattinson's going to drag hordes of Twilight fans to watch yeah. this film, and they're going to sit there and just go, what? There's my hero having a prostate exam in front of me mm. um, you know it's got very funny stuff but it, you know the humour is kind of inverted almost no one has ever I don't think anyone's even really tried that hard to, to adapt on Delello before for, probably for this reason and he's done something that I think Truman Capote did with Great Gatsby he took the book extracted all of the dialogue and, and turned it into a script and I think you know everyone knows that that Truman Capote thing didn't end up that that well but this is what the approach that um that Cronenberg's taken it mm. does kind of work but it's very strange I think Helen would probably it's, yeah I would, it's very and basically no one in the world has ever spoken like this yes you know, there's, I have, uh, there's my problem yeah. I'm not quite as up in it as Phil is I, 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 I kind of liked it but it's almost like when you go and see a Shakespeare play and it takes you a few minutes at the beginning to get your ear in and actually kind of <laughs> do you know what I mean like kind of <laughs> almost mentally translate the stuff that's happening for the first few minutes you're like okay what they're saying makes no sense and then you kind of just get used to the rhythms of it and kind of go with it and so I almost had the same feeling in this you, you have to kind of get into the rhythm of this bizarre and completely artificial dialogue and just kind of go with it mm. it's a very literary experience rather than a kind of a visual cinematic one in a weird way you know it's it's like blank ver- listening to blank verse or very strange words the way the words are created is so unlike anything that you'd be used to when you watch a film so it is, does take some adjusting to mm. and it isn't plotty you know there, there isn't no. there is this you know very vague storyline of, of Eric Packer Robert Pattinson's character needing to get across New York for a haircut which is never really explained mm. um, in, encountering all of these kind of strange cameo characters Jay Burchell um, well, I thought <clears> Juliette Binoche Jay Burchell yeah. not a big fan in this particular film mm. Juliette Binoche Again, I don't think the cameras are all that brilliant, all of them. Paul Giamatti is very good, I think. Well, it's a series of vignettes, isn't it? Yes, really? it is I mean, very vignette Yeah, it's like the slowest road movie ever made. <laughs> um, basically, you know, they literally inch through movie. traffic, his wife appears in taxi. None of it makes a lot of sense. It, the thing I liked about it is it's not really about the narrative. It's about the mood. And it's about, mm. you know, you come out of it and it kind of germinates in your mind. Yeah. And it does tackle... You know the the financial crisis. It was written before the financial crisis, two thousand and four, I think, to literate it, and and uh, it tackles all of that in a very kind of cerebral, thinky, non-judgmental way, which I think fits in with Cronenberg's uh, kind of worldview very and well. And there's a moment that that does recall the sort of Occupy Wall Street movement. Absolutely, mm-hmm. incredibly prescient. Yeah, yeah, I think the whole the book is very prescient, and the film is very zeitgeisty right now. And and I think Cronenberg actually. He said that, I interviewed him and he said, you know, it's about time because I released these films like Crash that are just so out of time that people just reacted to them in a very negative way. And this is, you know, it's about time I had a bit of luck with with releasing the film (laughs) because he's been trying to make this for a long time and it it does feel very now. So I think it it taps into that and I think that's one of the reasons I really liked it. It also feels a bit sci-fi. I thought, yes. which is good. It does, yeah. While not really being sci-fi, no. kind of also feeling it. That's well, what I mean about it. It mm. kind of like, it, it creates a bigger, a bigger. it's more than the sum of its parts. Mm. Whereas 
obviously you see so many films these days that are less than the sum of their parts I think this kind of expands in your mind after you've seen it even if you don't like it let's talk very briefly about uh, Mr Pattinson no longer our Pats mm. um, his career trajectory after uh, Twilight has been really fascinating hasn't mm. it I think, I think it's he's playing it actually very very smart in a way um, if you look at say Taylor Lautner who's had the same kind of Twilight hysteria surrounding him. He's been trying to make action movies. You know, he's been linked to that comic book movie they're working on, Stretch Armstrong. He's, he's been linked to these sort of ostensibly big roles. And you would think that that's the way to become a star after kind of breaking out of this teen series. Experience suggests it's actually not. Experience suggests, you know, if you look at the careers of DiCaprio, Pitt, Damon, Affleck, you name it, Um, that the way to kind of sustain a career in Hollywood is after you've had your big hit and been a sort of heartthrob is to move away from that and try and prove yourself as an actor. And I think that's exactly what Pattinson's doing, um, exactly what Lautner has so far failed to do. And and I think we might be seeing him around for a very long time. And actually, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think no. you know he's doing he's making really interesting decisions. Mm. He hasn't a hundred percent proved himself as a you know future superstar yet, but he's he's taking the right choices and taking the right risks as well. I think with this performance, he honestly he could have uh, just taken a picture of Edward Cullen from Twilight and ripped it up or burned it, you know, <laughs> Sinead O'Connor style <laughs> on screen because if, effectively he's just blowing away the cobwebs of the past with this, isn't he? I mean, this is Robert Pattinson as you've never seen him before, as the adverts would say. So. So it's it's really <laughs> out there, very bold performance. It's it's. I think he's great in this. I really liked him in this, and I agree with Helen. I think he's it's a, such a bold choice for him to make. He's only twenty six, so he's got a long way ahead of him. Yeah, but he's really good. It's a very controlled, sort of modulated, nuanced performance. And this is not. I mean, this is not a one off for him. You know, he made that Salvador Dali movie uh, about Dali's relationship with uh, Garcia Lorca. I think so. He's not. You know, he's not going for safe choices. No, he's not. Um, and even something like Water for Elephants, which is a, a slightly more kind of mainstream film, is still a bit out there for uh, you know the guy from Twilight. So Frank fair play to him keep on going you know what's going to happen the minute this podcast goes out it's going to be Robert Pattinson stars in Transformers 4 <laughs> I will it's have to that, eat my it? words yeah precisely okay last but not least let's turn to Red Lights which is Rodrigo Cortez's follow up to Buried and he's thinking outside the box this time which is a very clever joke uh, with a supernatural thriller starring Killian Murphy and Sigourney Weaver as academics who set out to discredit Robert De Niro's spooky psychic Simon Silver and things as you might expect go horribly awry I think Rodrigo Cortez is first film buried as you mentioned I thought it was really good he mm. seems to have like a you know Hitchcockian grasp of how to maintain tension did you did you feel that about this yeah, film well, yeah Hitchcock's not a bad comparison actually there are certain sequences in this movie that are very tense I, I, will, I will grant you that uh, however it's a little disappointing ultimately it's a little muddled yeah. um, I believe it had massive reshoots the version that showed up in Sundance is substantially different apparently uh, especially in the end in the version I saw um, and it's a little akin to an X-Files episode an extended X-Files episode mm. with a a twist I mean we talked about a twist at the beginning of the of the uh, the podcast now people will be thinking about what the twist is um, it's not a spoiler to say there's a twist this movie's been billed as this year's Sixth Sense it's being, being marketed on the twist um, and the twist ultimately isn't that satisfying but the performance is good it's got a nice mournful kind of scary atmosphere um, De Niro plays a blind psychic and is is fine um, doesn't really get to face off much against Killian Murphy though who's the who's the, the film's focus um, and he's fine it's, it's, it's okay it's just it doesn't quite grab you stylistically the way that Barry did um, and it's it's slightly disappointing yeah Dazzanero is a kind of 
returned form of sorts? It's hard to tell with Robert De Niro these days. It's it's fine. He turns up. He doesn't embarrass himself. He doesn't fall over. <laughs> nothing <laughs> nothing gets broken. It's it's all fine. But uh, I wouldn't say it's one of his finest performances. No. So keep us going until Rent a Ghost. <laughs> yes, until Rodrigo Cortez says Rent a Ghost. I don't know what he's doing next, but uh, he was it, one of those directors that people were really excited about. You know, Duncan Jonesy kind of thing. Yeah, and this um, film where I think he there's there's this film's wrapped in grey. And it's very dour and relentlessly dour, and it just—I think it needed a little bit of light. To the X Files had that because it was obviously all shot in, you know, the Pacific coast of Canada, wasn't it? So it had that kind of drizzly, low, cloudy kind of oppressiveness, which I think worked really well for that for that particular mm. thing. This you're saying too much, too oppressive, too, too, oppressive. too bleak. I, I really wanted to see with this guy who somehow managed to make Ryan Reynolds in a box for ninety minutes interesting cinematically and kept coming up with different angles and different shots and different ways to present the action what would he do when he actually got outside and was able to you know I guess you don't have complete control of your environment when you're outside the way you do when you're in a box but I, I thought he would throw the camera around a little bit more this is a little bit more staid a little bit more dull dour as I said mm. uh, which is not to say it's bad it, it, you know the performances are good um, it has some very satisfying moments some very very tense moments which I guess as you, you could say are Hitchcockian maybe more of a David Lynch vibe mm. there's a it, it gets quite weird um, towards the, the second half of the film as uh, Murphy and Weaver delve deeper into Simon Silver's past and uh, there, there are sequences where, where uh, Killian Murphy in particular uh, tries to investigate the Nero character which are which are really creepy really weird in a, in a very sort of Mulholland Drive-esque way um, it just kind of falls apart at the end mm. it gets a little silly sadly okay. But, uh, but there you go, we gave it three stars, so uh, you can absolutely check it out. Although I think the film probably to watch this week would be Cosmopolis, wouldn't it? I don't necessarily agree with that. but I think, well, I think apart, from the two, apart from the major re-releases, um, yeah. I would say, yeah, I think Cosmopolis is going to be Marmite for people. I really do. I don't think everyone that sees it is going to like it. Yep. If, if you don't like it, you're probably going to really not like it. Okay, so uh, that is pretty much it. Except to say that the two best films this week are both re-releases that are almost 50 years old. The Apartment and Jaws both get cinematic runouts this week in sparkling, spangly new prints to celebrate Universal's 100th birthday. They are, of course, I think we'll all agree, five-star classics. Indeed. Amazing. Yes. Uh, and if you haven't seen either of them on the big screen, do so immediately. We could talk about them, but come on, you've seen The Apartment and Jaws. You know what's what. And that's it for this week's Empire Podcast. Thanks, as ever, for your input, and thanks for listening. Next week, we're going to have Emily Blunt and Stories to 24's Noel Clark in the booth which is terribly exciting but for now it's goodbye from Helen goodbye you've got to run to a junket haven't you I do yes I'm mm. talking to Emily Blunt yet again again she'll be sick of you uh, goodbye from James goodbye try not to get punched no, <laughs> <laughs> Phil uh, may, may, may jump me goodbye from Phil goodbye and uh, of course goodbye from me <laughs> <laughs>